0: Good morning. Morning. Welcome to South Park Church. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. It's good to be back with you. I missed you over these past two weeks as I was with a group of colleagues of United Methodist Clergy. that We've been together for four years doing this continuing education thing. And we traveled to England and Scotland. And our purpose was to learn and to grow spiritually and to support one another. We were able to study at the University of Durham in England. It's the third oldest university there. We studied with some professors, learned a lot. We visited a ton of churches all across Scotland and England and learned a lot about what's going on over there and uh, just had some time to lean on each other, support one another through great things that are happening in our churches, challenging things that are happening. And so uh, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to go and and be away and to, to have that opportunity to do that. Want to thank you just uh, for uh, Pastor Lindsey and also Kevin and our staff and lay leadership. Uh, everything's great at the church, and it's just good to know that we are a team and we continue to to move forward to love God. And thank Pastor Lindsey and Cedric for the great words that they brought to you, and uh, to thank Kevin for showing you those amazing pictures of me that he showed while I was away. Those were those were awesome, and uh, so. Uh, it is good to be back with you. I'm so excited about this uh, this message series about wisdom and about practical theology in the Bible and. You know, not all of us have been like Moses and seen a burning bush or been like Peter and walked on water. And, you know, I think we have sometimes moments like that in our lives. But a lot of us our life of faith is lived out in the everyday world, going to work, going to school, uh, getting in arguments with our brothers or sisters. And so uh, when we start thinking about the Bible and theology and all this kind of stuff, it's refreshing to know that most of what's written in Scripture is really practical. Uh, theology, practical advice for how do we live our lives and and how do we do that with God's wisdom. And so we've been in this book of Proverbs and uh, it is everyday advice from God about how to live our lives. And it's timeless, even though it was written thousands of years ago, it speaks to us today. And so I'm excited to be here and be able to speak into this. And uh, today we're going to talk about the, the importance and the power of the words that we say or don't say. Uh, the power of the the tongues that are in our mouths. Sometimes we forget that there is power in the words that we choose to say and share with other people. And so God has a lot to teach us today in the book of Proverbs. And I think it's, it's always very timely to talk about the words that come out of our mouths. Uh, I was recently talking to my son, Luke, uh, he's a sixth grader, he's 11 years old, and he had a question for me, he said, Dad, uh, who gets to decide which words are good words that we can say out loud, and which words are bad words? Uh, And uh, that's a great question for a sixth grader, because what's going on is some of his friends at school uh, are starting to cuss, starting to use curse words, and so he's wanting to know why he can't say some of those bad words, too. And so it's a good question. You know, why is it that S-H-I-T is a bad word that we can't say, and P-O-O-P is an acceptable word uh, that we can say for the same thing? Uh, I wonder myself, the, the scientific word of defecate sounds worse than either one of them, but we can say <laughs> that, you know. So who does get to choose which words are good and, and which words are bad? Uh, and, and maybe you've, thought about that. Maybe you've pondered that. And so I, I was really wrestling with that as I was, you know, reading scripture and preparing for today's message. And, uh, and I think it's, you know, Luke asked a question, you know, is it's just a word, you know, what's the big deal? Uh, and I can understand that perspective. And I, I've had that perspective before in my life, but ultimately <laughs> words are important because they convey meaning. Uh, if I say, I love you, that, that has one meaning to you, one emotional kind of reception, Or if I said, you go to hell, that's a completely different thing. And so words are powerful. Words mean things. They convey meaning. If we say touchdown, that's one thing. If we say interception, that's the other. And so uh, it's important to choose our words very carefully because they are powerful. Uh, The German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche said this about words. All I need is a sheet of paper and something to write with, and I can turn the world upside down. And he was absolutely right. His writings, his philosophy read to the the idea that God is dead. That God is just a construct that we've made up because we're too weak to face the world that's a brutal world. And so we made up this this imaginary God to help us feel better about it. And and Nietzsche said it's time to to grow up and, and put that away. That the idea of God is dead. And that resonated with millions of people. It even hit Time Magazine much later than when Nietzsche wrote it. And so words... Can be powerful. Now I will say that I completely disagree with with Nietzsche on that point, but he stirred up a lot with words. Words are powerful. Words speak to everyday life. They speak to the core of our identity. I want to show you a woman here and, and her name. And uh, how would you pronounce this name? Just just call it out. How would you say this name? <laughs> Hyacinth Bucket. Correct. That's that's what it says. Hyacinth. Bucket. This uh, is a character in a British uh, comedy called Keeping Up Appearances. Uh, And Hyacinth and her husband are kind of middle-class people in England, and she more than her husband aspires to be of the upper class. And so she refuses to accept that her name is Bucket. She asks everyone to call her Hyacinth Bouquet because she wants to be of the upper class. And so it's not bucket, it's bouquet. And so words are powerful. Words have meaning. Words convey our very identity. Uh, And so this is something important for her. Uh, Words uh, say a lot about who we are. If I walked in today and said, they is outside, ready to come in, you probably think that I would be less educated than what you would want your pastor to be educated. Certain words, uh, as I was talking about with my son, are are bad words and can cause you to get your mouth washed out with soap by your mom or your dad. Uh, Words are also contextual uh, I learned that in England. I learned that a biscuit is a cookie and that chips are French fries and that boot is not something you wear. It's the trunk of your car. And so uh, bangers are sausages. And so there's all kinds of things that you have to learn. In America, the word barf means to vomit. Uh, but evidently in Hindi, it means snow. And so you can buy this in other places of the world uh, and, and wash your clothes with barf uh, flavored detergent. And so... Uh, words are contextual. Uh, and some words are important and, and they want to get our attention. Stop, fire, smoke, you know, get out. And they want to grab us. They want us to know that there's something unusual happening other than just normal everyday activities. And sometimes we can overuse words. Uh, like awesome. Wow, that's an awesome sunset. Uh, High five. That's an awesome high five. And so sometimes we can overuse words. I want to show you a funny clip that kind of illustrates this from the uh, Seinfeld comedy back in the day. And uh, there's a story about this guy named Jerry Seinfeld and his friends Elaine, George, and Kramer. They're very neurotic, and they get into all kinds of misadventures. And in this episode, uh, they have some friends uh, who live out on uh, the Hamptons, and they want the, uh, Jerry and his friends to come and, and see the baby. You've got to come see the baby. You've got to come see the baby. And so they finally relent. And they go out and they see the baby. And instead of finding this you know, beautiful, cuddly little baby, they think it's the ugliest baby they've ever seen. And so when they see the baby, they kind of don't have the poker face. And so it makes for an awkward moment. Uh, But I want you to watch this clip and just see how one specific word uh, is kind of overused and has a double meaning. Check it out. So either the doctor uses the word breathtaking for lots of things or he thinks Elaine is as ugly as that baby is. And so uh, now I know what you guys mean when you say my sermons are so breathtaking as you greet me afterwards. And so. (laughs) Words are powerful. Words are, are important. And so let's dive into the scriptures in Proverbs and see what God has to teach us about words. Proverbs eleven nine: With their mouths, the godless destroy their neighbors. Our words can be hurtful to other people. From Proverbs eighteen seven: The mouths of fools are their undoing, and their lips are a snare to their very lives. So our words can hurt other people, but our words can also backfire and hurt ourselves. Jumping ahead to Proverbs 25, 18. Like a club or a sword or a sharp arrow is one who gives false testimony against a neighbor. When we lie, when we gossip about our friends or our neighbors, then we do harm to them. So our words we must choose very carefully because they can bring a great deal of harm to not only other people but to ourselves as well. I'll never forget when I first fell in love, probably in the fifth grade, with a, a young girl named Christy in our, in our church, uh, how we were going together. I guess that meant we were a boyfriend and girlfriend. We certainly weren't going anywhere because we couldn't drive in the fifth grade. Uh, I remember one day at, at church, I asked her, Christy, do you still love me? Because, you know, we're so much in love in fifth grade. And uh, she said, no. And I went home and I cried because it hurt. And it was one word, two letters, but it was painful. And it was the last word that I wanted to hear from her. And so I learned the power... Of words that day. When um, we recently were in Haiti with a group from our church earlier this year on an outreach team doing some great work about bringing clean water to the people there and being ministered to ourselves by the people of Haiti and some of our downtime we would play dominoes. That's like the national game that people play in Haiti and they're really good. It's harder than it actually looks and so I was trying to play up to my competition of some young students and uh, uh, very difficult and I'm playing in this game and I'm getting beaten very badly and just this young, young boy sitting next to me and he doesn't speak any English. He speaks, you know, Creole very fluently, which I'm not able to speak fluently. And he's watching me play and he's just shaking his head. And finally he utters the two words in English that he evidently knows. And he's talking about my playing dominoes and he says, you suck. (laughs) And he was right. Because I was terrible at it. I was getting absolutely hosed by that. But, you know, it, it shocked me because that's not a phrase that we say in our household. And our boys are not allowed to say that. And everybody's laughing. And I felt like I was in middle school again. And everyone's looking at me. And it just it felt bad that this little kid just absolutely shot me down. Uh, one of the phrases that's going around with my boys and at their school now is, is trash. And, and when something is that they don't like, they use the word trash. Like, yeah, that's a trashy movie, Dad. That movie was trash. Or, uh, you know, this school assignment that I have to do, that's trash. And, and one of them, I'm not going to tell you which one, made the mistake the other day after dinner saying to Laura, that meal was trash, Mom. Yeah, you want trash? Here's some trash. You're going to eat out of trash and we'll see what's trash, right? So words are meaningful, they're powerful, and they can get us into a great deal of trouble. And there can be some seriously painful words. Get out. You're no good. I hate you. You'll never make it. You'll never amount to anything. You never meant anything to me. I want to break up with you. Saying to someone of African-American descent, the N-word is the worst, most evil thing that we could even think to do. Words are powerful. Words wound. Words can be harmful. And sometimes the absence of words can hurt just as much. My mom has a group of friends that she's remained in touch with ever since she was in high school. And they've stayed in touch. They go to the beach as a group every year with their spouses and families. And uh, they've been doing this now forever. I mean, my mom's in her 70s and they continue to do this. And and she talked to me about one of her classmates and friends. And uh, he's in his 70s now. And how his whole entire life, all he wanted was his mother to tell him that she either loved him or was proud of him. And she never uttered those words. And he waited on her and took care of her hand and foot, even up into her 90s from when he was in his 70s. Because he loved his mama, and he, and, but he was always hoping that she would just one time share that love back with him through words. And she died, and she never did that. And he still regrets it. It still hurts him. He, he feels that his life is still not complete because of the omission of the words, I love you, or I'm proud of you. And so words can wound. Even the absence of words can hurt us. My friends, what words have been uttered to you that have rocked you and hurt you in in the core of your soul? What words have you not heard that you have wanted to hear that have done the very same thing? And maybe even more painfully, what are the words that you have said or left unsaid that have hurt other people in your life, feeling just as much pain as, as you have felt? And so I think we need to heed carefully these words of Proverbs, how our words can wound others and wound ourselves, and we must be very careful about our choices. We continue in Proverbs 12, verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Proverbs 19, 20. Listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end you will be counted among the wise. It's hard for us to hear things that we need to hear sometimes. And many of us surround ourselves by people that are going to tell us what we want to hear. Oh, you're great. Everything's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing that needs to change. And and God says sometimes we need to hear the truth spoken in love, that maybe we're doing something that's harming ourselves or other people. And and God sends people into our lives to be honest with us, that, that good friends, good family, good church family sometimes tell us the things that we need to hear that aren't pleasant to hear. But I think the key in this is how we deliver that message. To say, hey, you know, I care about you and I just, I think you might want to know that this is being said about you or I know you think that things are going well in this area but, but some of us don't see it that way and let's talk about this. We care about you. We want you to succeed or, you know what, that really hurt my feelings and, and I think that, you know, there's some real tension between you and me and we're not in a good place right now and I'm guessing you feel that as well and, you know, maybe we just need to sit down and talk about how can we move forward together? And so sometimes we need to hear the truth spoken in love. Sometimes we need to deliver the truth spoken in love, but we always need to remember that in love portion of that. We continue Proverbs 16, 24, Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. And from Proverbs eleven seventeen, 17, Those who are kind benefit themselves, but the cruel bring ruin on themselves. Right, so words also can be very helpful. They can be good. They can be life-giving. They can be amazing things that that build people up. And so it's nice to hear please and thank you or you look great today or I just I love to be in your presence or I like you or I love you. Just there's there's so many ways that we can affirm each other. That's a great effort. I know it didn't work out the way you thought it would, but that's a great effort. So so what are the words that we can speak to others that, that lift them up? Uh, the last day that I dropped off my boys before I was going to get on the flight to go to Scotland and to England on this, this trip that I mentioned to you earlier, uh, I was dropping them off. It's a bittersweet moment, right? I'm not going to see them for a couple of weeks, and so that was hard to, to say goodbye to them. And uh, as I did so, Luke, my sixth grader, my 11, 11-year-old, hands me a note that he's written. He's folded it up, and he says, Dad, I want you to read this when you get home. So uh, you know, I couldn't get home fast enough. I opened up the letter, and it's in his handwriting. and It says, Dear Dad, I hope you have a great trip. I'm really gonna miss you, but I'm glad you get to go. Uh, I just want you to know I love you so much, and so many people love you, and I'm glad you're my dad. And, and dad, you're my superhero. Right? That's that's. I mean, that is that is priceless to me. I have that in my in my pocket here in my coat right now. I'm gonna hang onto that note for forever uh, because those are the words that we want to hear, not just because they're words, but because it, it, it talks about the truth and the reality of my relationship with my son. And, and I just would encourage you that if, if you have words to speak like that, that you don't wait, that, that you say those words, that you let them out of your mouth. We can't read each other's minds. And, and so positive, affirming, loving words, that it's part of what life is all about. We continue in Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. From 15.4, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. And from 12.18, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I think the, the writer here of the Proverbs is saying to us that, that we have decisions to make. We, we can choose our words carefully and, and even diffuse a t- difficult situation or or we can choose our words in, in ways that are unwise and make the situation worse. And some of the continuing education that I've received recently, especially concerning pastoral care, uh, a, a lot of folks are now saying that uh, uh, when someone comes to us and they're hurting and, and they're broken and, and something's going not right in their life, rather than saying, you know, what's wrong with you, to say, what happened? What's happened in your life to make you upset rather than saying there's something wrong with you? You're a wrong person. You're a broken person. What is it in your life right now that's not going well that that has really just kind of rocked your world? And so how we choose our words, you know, there's like a fork in the road. It can go well, it can go unwise. I remember when I was in divinity school learning to be a pastor and uh, I shared a, an apartment with, with two other housemates and uh, these guys were great guys. And this was back in the day, like when you wanted to go on the Internet and wanted to do email, you had to do that through your phone. So if someone was on the, on the Internet, only one person could do that at a time and you couldn't make phone calls. And it was a Sunday and that's usually the day that I would talk to my parents on the phone. I was in Massachusetts they were in North Carolina and we'd always have that kind of conversation. And my roommate had been online for hours. Uh, so it's always upset, and I knew he knew that I usually talk to my parents, and so I kind of stormed into his room and I, and I said, How much longer are you going to be on that thing? And, of course, he decided to get out of my room, and he stayed on there for the rest of the day uh, because I didn't lead with my words carefully. What would a difference have made if I said, hey, Louie, you know, man, I'm glad you're getting some work done, but I really need to catch up with my parents. We usually do that on Sundays. And Would you you mind just logging off for maybe like 10 or 15 minutes? I'll give them a call, and you can jump right back on. Uh, But you see how I led with that. And so, again, we have a fork in the road of how we uh, approach people and how we talk to people. I remember early in my marriage, I was upstairs doing some work, trying to get through it, and I was kind of irritated in the in the process. And I I hear Laura calling out from downstairs in the kitchen, some kind of emergency, the dishwasher's overflowing, and she needs me right now. And so I I stop what I'm doing. I'm even more aggravated. I run down to see what's going on. And and I lead with this. What have you done now? Last time I ever said those words, I promise you. (laughs) to my wife. That did not go well. Right? So we have a fork in the road. Are we going to choose our words wisely? Or are we going to choose our words poorly? Gold there is, and rubies in abundance. But lips that speak knowledge are a rare jewel. It's hard to say the right thing. The tongue has the power of life and death. Hear that. The tongue, your tongue, has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. We will eat the fruit of our words. We will eat our words. They will come back to us. We will either eat life-giving words or we will will eat death-giving words. I mean, that, that's a powerful thing to think about. And I begin to, to think about that in terms of theological words and religious words and Christian words and words from the Bible and and the words that we talk about in churches, the words that preachers preach about, the words that teachers teach about, the, the words that are said in our, our, our small groups through churches, the words that we as Jesus followers put out about God into the world. Sometimes I think we get it really right and sometimes I think we, we completely mess it up and we might cause an obstacle to become between someone and God. And, and that's a serious, a serious offense. And I think about some of the, the theological words that we read in the Bible that are true and, and we focus on and we need to focus on them, like sin, that when we do wrong against God, we, we we break a relationship with God. And because of that, we experience guilt and we experience shame and we'll experience death one day. God has cut us off from the tree of life. And so we're going to die one day because we do wrong things. And, and the word hell, which means ultimately a separation from God, a separation from each other because we're in broken relationships. And and these words are all true and they're sobering in in, in their meaning, and, and we need to focus on these. But but I'm afraid that that so much in, in our lives as Christians, as as teachers and preachers and, and followers of Christ that we focus too much on these words. And we don't remember to focus on the other words that the Bible teaches us, the other theological words, the, the word of grace, unmerited favor. The word of forgiveness, the word of joy, the word of peace, the word that we are created in God's image. Yes, there's something wrong with us. There's something broken with us. But there's also something right with us that we're created in God's image. And that's more than just looking good. It's it's being good on the inside that we have the ability and the capacity to be good and to do good because God is inside of us. That we, when we receive Jesus as Savior, become children of God. We become heirs with Christ. We're going to inherit life to the full on this earth, and we're going to inherit life eternal forever in the kingdom of God. There are so many of these good words that I think get lost in translation because we focus so much on the negative words, because they're the buzzwords. And and so I, I would ask today that maybe we begin to look at some of these other positive words. Yes, we're sinners, but once we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, we become saints. We still have sin clinging to our lives, but we're somewhat different. We now are saints. We're no longer sinners. We have been justified. We've been made right with God. We are becoming sanctified. We are becoming holy like Jesus. The Holy Spirit lives in us, that the God of the universe, even though we do wrong things, loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus into the world to die on a cross to take our sin and our guilt and our shame and our death and our hell and to defeat it all when he rose from the dead. And now we can receive life to the full. We can have our sins forgiven. We can have our guilt and shame taken away and have instead joy and peace and life to the full when we say to Jesus, I'm so sorry for living life without you, for saying horrible things, for, for not saying the things that I should say. Lord, forgive me. Please come and live in me and speak your good words into my life. Those are the good words that I think God calls us to focus on. And as followers of Jesus, I hope that we are sharing those good words in our places of work and at school and in our neighborhoods and in our homes and with our families and wherever we find ourselves. Because the world needs life-giving words of God. It's a lot to think about. There's a lot in the book of Proverbs. There's even more than what I covered today. And so maybe we're wrestling with ourselves. So what? What's the main point? What's the main idea? So what? What does this mean for me in my life? How does it affect my life? And I I think that last proverb that we read is really kind of the the main point of of what we're talking about when we're talking about words and using our tongues and, and our so what moment is this. Your tongue has the power of life and death. Your tongue has the power of life and death. You can bring someone up to life or you can bring them down to death. Your tongue has the power of life and death. And we're going to be tasting our words. Are we gonna eat words of life or are we gonna eat words of death? Right In this world, in the world to come, what words are we going to eat? Your tongue has the power of life and death. And if you think about it, have you ever heard the saying, I'm sure you have, that sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me? All right, that is total BS. That, that, that's a big lie. Right? Sticks and stones, they, they do break our bones and they hurt. And we mend from them and we move forward. But how long do we carry the wounds that words cause us? We can remember something someone said five years ago, 20 years ago, or, or in case of my mom's friend, 70 years. He waited 70 years for his mom to affirm him with words and she never did it and he will never get over it. And so our tongues are truly capable of having the power of life and death. Your tongue has the power of life and death. So this is what I would challenge you and me and all of us to do from this day forward, right? This is your take-home work. This is your homework. This is your uh, how-can-I-apply-the-message kind of application. I challenge all of us with the power of God to speak life, right? We can speak life or we can speak death. I would challenge you to speak life. To say words of encouragement, to to lift people up, to let them know the positive things that that you feel about them in, in, in your life and their life. And when we are faced in difficult circumstances where we have to say a truth that we don't want to tell, when we have to be honest with someone, that we do that in a loving way, that we try to lift them up. Or even when we're disagreeing with someone, maybe we're, we're angry with someone, we're, we're, we're mad as heck with someone, that we would find a way to say, you know what, there's, there's something broken between us. I don't like it, I'm guessing you don't like it. We need to sit down and we need to talk about this. There's ways that we can do that that bring life. Your tongue has the power of life and death. And I think God is challenging us through the book of Proverbs to speak life in all circumstances, speak life. You know, I love it when God is at work out in the world and we're not even sure that God's moving with us at that moment. We're not aware of it yet. And John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, uh, our denomination, he called that pervenient grace. He reads about it in Scripture. And what it means is that God's at work in our life before we even know it. So sometimes we see God out in the world and and people might not even know that God's working through them. And I want to show you an example of that. Uh, I want to show you a Google commercial. It, It talks about words. I don't know if the, the authors uh, are Christian or not, uh, if it's intentional or not, but I think everything that we're talking about is captured in this commercial. So just check out how God works in our lives even before we know it. Your tongue has the power of life and death. Speak life. Speak life in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.